Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. Join us every other Wednesday when we discuss all things dogs, from health and veterinary care to training and behavior science, as well as the ins and outs of Good Dog and how our platform can help you successfully run your breeding program. Follow us and join Good Dog's mission to build a better world for our dogs and the people who love them. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Good Dog Pod, where we discuss all things related to canine health, research, how Good Dog helps breeders run their breeding programs, and so much more. I'm Nicole, the breeder community lead here at Good Dog and your host for this week's episode. I'm really excited to introduce the topic of today's podcast, which is heartworm disease, something that impacts not only breeders, but all dog owners. So we're really excited to talk about it today. And to talk about this, I'm joined by Dr. Nate Ritter, who is Good Dog's veterinarian. And together, we're going to discuss everything you need to know about keeping your dog protected from this condition, what the warning signs are what the treatment looks like. So let's get into it. Nate, to kick things off, what is heartworm disease for anyone who is listening to this and unfamiliar with it? Yeah, no better place to start. I'll preface this with a lot of this information can be found on the American Heartworm Society, also pulling from the Merck Veterinary Manual, BCA. We also have a fantastic article on our health hub that covers this topic. So definitely seek those resources should you have questions following this pod. But heartworm disease is a serious and potentially fatal disease in pets. It's caused, as you might expect, by worms that live in the blood vessels that serve the heart and the lungs. In advanced infections, actually, the heartworms can even enter the heart. These worms can cause severe lung disease, heart failure, damage to other organs in the body, but it doesn't just affect dogs. Cats can be impacted, ferrets as well, other mammal species that include wolves, coyotes, foxes. The reason I mentioned that and why it's important is they may live in proximity to many urban areas, and so they can actually be carriers for this disease, and I'm sure we'll get into how this disease is transmitted, but important to think of those animals and the impact it can have on our dogs. So it sounds like heartworm disease can just be found anywhere. Is that correct? Yeah. So all over the country, it's been diagnosed in every state. It's more prevalent in Southeast, but really it can be anywhere. I mean, there's a lot of different factors that go into that. It's also found in many parts of the world. But even if you don't consider it to be a major problem in your area, like I mentioned, there are a lot of factors that you need to consider. There may be a greater incidence of the disease than you realize, or you may travel somewhere with your pet and not recognize that it's an issue there. It's also spreading to new regions of the country every year. And a lot of this, sometimes it can do with dogs, strays, or neglected animals. And when they go to be placed for adoption, they can be moved up into a new location and end up spreading that disease. And like we mentioned before, the wildlife. So coyotes, wolves, foxes, they can be carriers. And we'll talk about transmission soon, but mosquitoes are the ones that carry this disease. And so they can actually be blown pretty far distances by wind. And so these are all things that you need to think about with where you live and how it might impact your dog. So I've learned a lot from my time at Good Dog from you and your team about diseases like this and infections like this and how they spread and also their life cycles. So I remember things like parvo are really what we would call hardy diseases, right? Is that correct? Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad I remember that. So what is the life cycle for heartworm and how is it spread? Yeah, so it's transmitted by mosquitoes. And so the adult female heartworms, they live in an infected animal and they produce microscopic baby worms. We call them microfilaria that circulate in the bloodstream. And then when a mosquito bites an animal and takes a blood meal, it picks up these baby worms, which then develop and mature into an infective stage larva over the period of a couple of weeks or so. 
And then when the infected mosquito bites another animal, that infected larva can enter the new host through the wound created by the mosquito bite. It takes uh, six months for the larva to develop into a mature adult heartworm. And then once they're mature, they can actually live in a dog for five to seven years. And because of the longevity of these worms, each mosquito season can lead to an increased number of worms in, in a pet that's infected. I think something really important to our listeners, of course, is to know what the signs of this look like, because it sounds like from what you're saying that it can be sitting inside of your dog system for upwards of six months before it even really presents itself. What are some signs that you should be looking for for heartworm disease in your dog? Yeah, so unfortunately, even in that time period, those clinical signs that we're going to discuss might not even present. And so it takes six months or so before that can even show up on a test, which we'll get into how to test for this condition. But in the early stages, they might not show any symptoms at all. But the longer the infection persists, the more likely that symptoms will develop. So active dogs, dogs that are heavily infected with heartworm or those that are impacted by other health problems show even more severe clinical signs. But these signs include coughing, exercise intolerance, weakness, fatigue, a decrease in appetite, weight loss. As the disease progresses, pets may develop heart failure. Like we talked about before, it can impact other organs. And dogs with large numbers of heartworms can actually develop something called Cavill syndrome, which is a sudden blockage of blood flow within the heart that leads to a life-threatening form of cardiovascular collapse. So definitely some things that you can look out for, but we'll get into how to test and prevent it from even happening in the first place. Is there anything I'm curious that impacts like the severity of the disease, like different factors, whether it's like the dog's age or breed type that can make it more severe for certain dogs than others? Yeah, that's a great question. So there are, you know, a couple of things to consider. You mentioned age, so a dog's immune response, which would directly compare to their age and their overall health. The amount, the worm burden, so the amount of worms that are present in that animal, the amount of time that infection has been going on, um, and then additionally, the dog's activity level. So all things that we need to think about should an unfortunate circumstance a dog test positive. So we've talked through some of the warning signs. So if you are maybe a dog breeder or a pet owner and you notice these signs and you're maybe suspicious that this could be heartworm disease, how do you go about getting it diagnosed? Yeah, so it's something that we test for even if a dog isn't showing clinical signs, and we'll kind of get into that in the more preventative section of the conversation, but it's a simple blood test. And oftentimes you'll see it done in conjunction when we're testing for tick-borne disease. Something called a SNAP40X test can be done right in clinic and be able to tell you. Now, there are other tests that you want to do also if an animal does test positive to give yourself the full picture and figure out what's going on. So those include radiographs or x-rays of the chest. That's often recommended in dogs with heartworm disease to assess the extent of heart and lung damage. Might even want an echocardiogram, so that's an ultrasound of the heart, to help assess the degree of heart enlargement function and even see if worms are present in the heart and associated blood vessels. And then also generalized blood work. So the test I was referring to, it tests simply for that, or like I mentioned, some tick-borne diseases on occasion, but you could do a complete blood count or chemistry that may be recommended also prior to treatment in order to assess if there's any associated organ damage. And in the event that your dog does test positive for heartworms, what happens next? 
Yeah. So it's kind of step-by-step, step, right? We want to confirm the diagnosis. So once a dog tests positive on the antigen test, that blood test we were talking about just now, it should be confirmed with an additional, possibly different test. Then we really need to restrict their exercise. We'll get into why, but the physical exertion increases the rate at which these worms can cause damage to the heart and lungs. We want to stabilize the disease. We want to administer treatment, and we'll talk about what that entails. And then we want to test afterwards to ensure that that has been cleared and then test repetitively to ensure that that remains the case. So what does the actual treatment entail? Because I'm imagining if your dog is, there's probably a better way to say this, but crawling with worms, it doesn't sound like the easiest thing to treat. So how do people actually go about getting their dogs treated for it? Yeah, no, unfortunately it is not. far more difficult than a lot of the worms that we've discussed previously in intestinal variety, what have you. And so it depends on the dog, you know, individualized medicine, we need to treat the individualized patient, but I'll talk about kind of the generalized treatment course. And that includes intramuscular injections of something called melarsamine. And that's used to kill the adult heartworms and the heart and the adjacent vessels. It's administered usually in the apaxials, the back muscles. It can be unfortunately a quite painful injection. Many dogs will also need to be treated with medication to repel mosquitoes so that we're not spreading if they're bitten and then carrying and possibly infecting other animals. Steroids, antibiotics to combat potential infection. There's a type of bacteria that inhabits the heartworm that we want to protect against. And then additionally, anti-inflammatories and or pain relief medication, like I talked about, that injection unfortunately can be painful. And then after, like we talked about before, complete rest. So following those injections, they really need to be crate rested for it's a very long time. It's not an easy thing for people to hear and for people to pursue. But the adult worms, they start to die in a few days and are eventually resorbed by the body. This resorption can take several weeks to months. And most of the complications that are associated with this treatment are caused by fragments of these dead heartworms. It can be a dangerous period. So it's really important that the dog be kept as quiet as possible. I'm not allowed to exercise for a month following the final injection of the heartworm treatment. Prompt treatment, also very important, as I'm sure you can imagine. And also, if the dog has a significant reaction in the weeks following the treatment, these reactions are very, very rare, but obviously something to note with your veterinarian. So keep an eye out during the treatment course for loss of appetite, shortness of breath, severe coughing, blood, if they're febrile, depressed. And there's a lot of different treatments that can be implemented there, anti-inflammatories, antibiotics, cage rest, supportive care, and intravenous fluids are usually utilized. Uh, You know, I did not expect you to talk about reabsorbing the worms, but that is very (laughs) interesting. I'm glad I know that now. I was about to ask you, well, what happens to them? But now I know. (laughs) Now you know. For better or for worse. (laughs) For better or for worse. So you mentioned restricting exercise, which any pet owner, I'm sure, thinks that's next to impossible, especially for maybe a younger or more active dog. Do you have any tips on how they can maintain exercise restriction during that time period and really just protect the dogs in order for them to heal? Yeah. So, you know, we want them to recover appropriately and not make this, it's maybe somewhat traumatic, but we don't want to make it as traumatic as it could be. And so to ensure success during the recovery period, we should take steps to provide safe physical and mental stimulation and to meet the dog's needs for social interaction as well. So in some instances, dogs can be safely leash walked during the treatment recovery period. Obviously, speak with your veterinarian if that would be appropriate in those cases or not. Sometimes providing appropriate chew toys may help relieve some of that sort of physical energy during confinement 
reading to dogs actually can help decrease arousal and stress. And there are many simple and expensive ways to provide crate enrichment. And then you want to take advantage of feeding times to provide mental stimulation. I'm sure a lot of you out there already utilize some of those puzzle feeders and whatnot. So another good way to ensure that a variety of stimulating activities are provided and which can help keep the dog and their mind active and healthy. Awesome. And I'm sure this is the question at the top of everyone's mind, which is how can I prevent my dog from actually getting heartworm disease in the first place? Yeah, so we're very fortunate that there are preventative medications that can be administered to protect our pups from this. I mean, there are many different forms of that. There's oral, there's topical, there's injectable. So obviously work with your veterinarian to determine what's best for you. But with the safe and affordable preventatives that are available, no pet should ever have to endure this. I mean, it's something that we should be able to protect them from for the life of the dog. All right, everyone, you are listening to the Good Dog Pod. We'll be right back. E-contracts on Good Dog are a convenient, free, and secure way to collect legally binding electronic signatures or e-signatures from buyers. E-contracts replace the need for paper contracts and help keep everything organized and in one place for a seamless experience. Your contracts will be stored safely on your Good Dog dashboard so you can access them at any time you need them. You can upload any contract template you like and it will be saved in your library for future use. No more rustling through papers or worrying if your puppies might have accidentally shredded your latest batch of contracts. You put your all into your program and you deserve protection and peace of mind when you send your puppy off to their forever home. I know many breeders pay for similar services elsewhere, but Good Dog provides e-contracts completely for free to members of our community. If you aren't yet a member of our Good Breeder community, you can sign up today to access e-contracts on Good Dog by visiting gooddog.com slash join. I'm wondering when pets should be tested for this. Should it be if you see these symptoms that you mentioned earlier? Should it be if there's been a change in environment? Or is there like a better rule of thumb to follow when pets should be tested? Yeah, so this is actually something, like I mentioned earlier, that we do relatively regularly. I mean, it's not something that we're only doing if they're showing certain clinical signs. So all adult dogs, they should be tested annually. And we'll discuss the medication and how there's prescriptions required for this, but oftentimes a test is even required prior to the medication being dispensed. When we're talking about pups, they can be tested starting around, I would say, maybe seven months of age. As we talked about earlier, it can take six months for this to pop up on the test. So even if we're testing before that, say you get a new pup, you're excited, you go to the vet wondering, hey, you know, I've had a dog before, or I read up on this, and, you know, why aren't we testing for heartworm disease? You know, it's not an accurate result at that time. So we want to wait until the dog is at least seven months old to test them. And that's something that we would repeat every year from then on out to ensure that they haven't contracted this. And it's necessary even when the dogs are on year-round preventative. No preventative is 100% efficacious. A lot of these medications are highly effective, but like I said, dogs can still become infected. So if you miss even just one dose or if you give it late, unfortunately, you know, we can leave these guys unprotected. So we want to make sure there's a lot of other instances dogs can spit it out, right? They can vomit it. If it's a topical, they can rub that off. And so once again, we need to ensure that we're testing every year. And even if that administration goes completely smoothly, we need to ensure that that's the right medication that's protecting the dog adequately. So something that we're going to be doing annually for the lifetime of the pup. And the preventative medication itself, you mentioned topical. So is it a topical like gel or cream or is it a pill? Does it vary depending on which brand that you choose? 
And how does it actually work to prevent heartworm? Yeah, so the topical usually comes in a little tube. You part the hair and you administer it usually between the shoulder blades down to the tail. Also, orals that can be taken in kind of a chewable form or injectable, which, you know, your veterinarian can administer, I believe, can be effective for six months or up to 12 months. And so the way these work is it eliminates the immature stages of this parasite. And so unfortunately, in as little as around 50 days or so, the larva can molt into a juvenile stage, which can't be effectively eliminated by these preventatives. So that's why it's important that we administer it regularly. It's not always necessarily monthly. Like I said, the injectables, six, 12 months, there's a lot of different medications out there now that can be given at different periods of time, but we want to ensure that the heartworms are eliminated before they reach the adult stage. So we need to be sure that we're giving it on a pretty strict schedule. And these heartworm prevention medications, can they also be used to protect against other intestinal parasites? Yes. So not even just intestinal parasites. A lot of them now can do a number of things, which is why it's also important. You know, when I was in general practice, we would have people come in all the time. You know, I was in New York City. People would come in in February. There aren't any mosquitoes out. Why am I administering my heartworm preventative? And I would always say, you know, it also can protect against X, Y, and Z, which we want to be protecting them against year round, even if the mosquito might not be out at that you know, exact time period. So they can be effective against certain intestinal parasites. And like I mentioned, even treating some now external parasites as well, fleas, ticks, ear mites, the mites that cause scabies. So it's important to realize that no single product will eliminate all species of internal and external parasites, but definitely work with your veterinarian to determine the best product for you and your dog. And what age should your younger pet be started on heartworm prevention? Yeah, it's a really good question. So it's usually dependent on the product. It can either be by age or by weight. And so you can look up all these product labels. So as early as the product label allows. I mean, you know, veterinarians oftentimes have medication that they use more frequently or would recommend in their clinic, but you can find these product labels online as well. So usually maybe I would say around six to eight weeks of age and usually a minimum weight of around two pounds. So ask your veterinarian, obviously, and then work with them because like I mentioned, it's given on a regular schedule. So particularly when you go in with your little pup for the first time, they might be growing pretty rapidly. And so anyone that has a dog knows these medications are kind of given in a weight range. So if we're growing that quickly, we might rapidly outgrow that weight range. And so you shouldn't buy multiple, multiple, multiples in your first visit um, because your dog might quickly outgrow the range that we're purchasing in. I know it's a little frustrating, but you may need to go kind of month by month at the beginning until we kind of reach a place where they stabilize or we're confident that they won't outgrow that weight range. Um, And then you can receive up to a year's worth at a time. And yeah, so definitely talk with your veterinarian about the best plan for you. We've been talking a lot about heartworm prevention in the form of medicine, but maybe some of our listeners are wondering if there's an effective natural prevention for heartworm as well. Yeah, so there is not. The only heartworm preventative products that should be used are the ones that are tested and proven effective by the FDA. Perfect. And for that kind of medication, do you need a prescription? And if so, why would you need a prescription for the heartworm preventative? Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of us have been in the pet co's and been able to see flea and tick preventative that's readily available on the shelves. And that's not the case for heartworm. So the FDA labels these products and states that the medication is to be used 
by or on the order of a licensed veterinarian. The reason is that, you know, in these cases, they want to ensure that the dog doesn't have heartworm prior to administering this medication. Because unfortunately, in some cases, if they are infected and then given a preventative, it can lead to severe reactions that could be pretty harmful and even in some cases fatal. So as you can imagine, not something you want available over the counter, something that we want to make sure the dog is receiving appropriately. Obviously, I'm all for access and making sure that everyone is able to offer that to their pup, but it's also important to ensure that they're able to receive that appropriately. Definitely. And I know many of our listeners are breeders, so I think this is a very relevant question for them. Is it safe to give heartworm preventatives to a pregnant or nursing dog? Yeah, so it depends on the medication. There are many where that is appropriate. The article I was referencing earlier on our health hub, we do have some of those specifically marked. But this is something that you can also review, obviously work with your veterinarian. But once again, you can look up these product labels when they have safety information on that, particularly relating to pregnant lactating animals. I mean, you're able to look at that, whether the medication has been tested, whether it's been proven to be safe for those instances. So you're able to take a look, do a little bit of your own research prior to having that conversation with your veterinarian. But there are medications out there that are appropriate and they should be given in these instances. We want these animals to be protected. So it sounds like something that you have to be very diligent with and really remember to provide it to your dog. But let's say maybe you missed administering the heartworm prevention for your dog for a certain time period. What should you do? Yeah, so this is reaching out to your vet, email or a phone call, and then you should restart that, you know, and retest the dog. As we talked about earlier, if we missed a period of time, there is enough time where these heartworms are able to reproduce and start an infection. So we want to ensure that that isn't the case. And so like we talked about, though, that test might not show up positive for an extended period of time. So if we did miss an application or administration, we should probably retest them six months or so after that just to be safe, but then restart that medication when you realize that we've lapsed. I love this next question because this is something I wonder in my own life all the time. The expiration date on my pet's heartworm medication is passed. Can I still use that medication safely? Unfortunately, they should be used before the expiration date on the package just because it's impossible to predict whether it will be effective or safe. So listen, could it be okay? It might, but do you want to take that chance? And I don't think that's appropriate. We should always follow those expiration dates. So if we see that that has passed, reach out to your veterinarian. Usually the way it's administered, like I said, with testing on an annual basis, and you're only allowed to purchase or dispense so much relating to that testing period, usually people aren't going past that expiration date. The medication you're receiving is usually good for a period of time you're not buying in bulk where all of a sudden we have too many. I unfortunately experienced that just from veterinary school. We had many pharmacy days where they allowed students to gain access to medication at a great cost for their pets. So I would always try to collect as much as I could, which led to having far more than I needed. And that, you know, unfortunately did expire. And listen, I threw that away and pursued new medication. So I would recommend that for everybody. I know that's difficult. I know that there are financial implications to that, but best to be safe and sure that those are current and effective and safe. Yeah, definitely better to err on the side of caution for that one. I only have one question left for you. This has been such a treasure trove of information for all of our listeners. Where can they find more information on this topic if they're interested? Yeah. So I think first and foremost, your veterinarian is a great resource. 
They might even have material, whether it be in clinic or on their website, the clinic's website. Also, like I said, we have a fantastic article. I'm not trying not to be biased, but I do think it's very informative. This will be a great resource, our podcast here with this episode. And then also trusted sources. So the American Heartworm Society is where I would go first and foremost. And that was always what I would reference in practice if we had a positive case um, and needed to come up with a treatment plan. The Merck Veterinary Manual also has great information. And I find that the VCA also great articles written by veterinarians that have good information. I do think they also put it into layman's terms, which I think is fantastic. A lot of medical terminology can trip a lot of people up. And I think they do a great job of relaying that appropriately to the masses. And we will make sure to drop many of those links that Dr. Ritter just mentioned in our show notes so that you can access them. But thank you so much for walking us through everything about heartworm disease. And I'm excited to continue these conversations with you. If you're a breeder listening to this and you have a topic that you're really interested in Dr. Ritter covering anything related to canine health, please email breederteam at gooddog.com and let us know. But that's all we have for everyone today. Thank you for taking the time to tune into this week's episode. We really hope this information was helpful and can really help everyone in our community better protect our pups. And especially if you're a breeder listening to this episode, please feel free to share this with your puppy buyers, whether you have a litter on the ground right now or you're getting ready to plan for one, whatever it may be. This is just evergreen, important information to really be sharing with breeders and buyers alike. So please feel free to share this. And thank you again for tuning in. We'll see you back here on August 23rd for our next episode. Bye, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Good Dog Pod. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode, so be sure to subscribe to The Good Dog Pod on your favorite podcast platform.